look at how many people are coming in. This is so exciting. I think this is the biggest reading audience that we've had in 2023. I'm so excited to see so many people. Um, gosh, they're still coming in. I think we're going to let people filter through for maybe two or two more minutes. Uh, yeah, still coming in. <laughs> My gosh, welcome everybody. This is very cool. I'm going to switch to the gallery view so I can see everyone's faces. A lot of familiar faces, a lot of familiar names. Great to see you all. Welcome. Oh, this is great. All right. All right. I think we're almost at full capacity here. So I think we should get started. Welcome, everybody. It is, uh, let's see, today is Sunday, <laughs> July 9th. Um, and I'm very excited to welcome you all to the second Sunday readings. We've got a fantastic lineup today. Um, we have Barb Reynolds, we have Janet Jennings, we have Ken Haas, and I'm actually going to read two, which is pretty fun. Um, I'm going to ask for everyone to please mute yourself if you haven't already done so, so that we don't get any background noises, um, so we don't get any dogs or dishes or birds. Um, it's always a good thing to keep the uh, poets from getting distracted. Um, I am Sean Killingsworth, your host. Um, I've been working for Second Sunday Readings for a couple of years now, and uh, I'm very pleased to introduce this group to you guys today because this is my writing group. So uh, whenever you hear my poems, you, you can rest assured that some very smart and good people have reviewed them first most of the time. <laughs> So I think with no further ado, I'd like to get started and listen to some fabulous poetry. Um, let's see. So first up, I'd like to introduce you to Barb Reynolds. She is a Pushcart nominated poet. She is the author of two poetry chapbooks, one called Boxing Without Gloves. The other is Drawing Words. Both were <clears throat> published by Finishing Line Press. She also produced the Irreverent Pandemic Trilogy Isolation Journal. Uh, volumes one through three, uh, which you can get on bookbaby.com. Barb spent 22 years as an emergency response child abuse investigator, and she founded Second Sunday Poetry Series in 2017. And we slightly adapted the name just because of the URL that we were able to get. <laughs> so instead of SSPS, we're now SSR, Second Sunday Readings. For the first three years of this series, uh, poets read together at a pub. And in 2021, Barb handed the series off to me to continue on Zoom through the pandemic. And that is where we are today. Uh, Barb's poetry has been published widely and her work can be found on her website, barbreynolds.com. So if we can all get out some poetry snaps for Barb in appreciation of her <laughs> genius. <laughs> Barb, please step up to the mic. Here I am. Hi, everybody. Boy, I haven't seen some of these faces in a while. It's really good to be here. I want to thank Sean and Second Sunday Readings. Um, and as always, it's an honor to read with my posse. We're called Sunday Posse, our writing group. Um, my first piece is called Home. <laughs> Maybe it's true. You get to an age, call it existential, call it midlife, call it finding home again as you wind down from the life you've known so long, skin thinner, reservoir receding. 
the squeak and whistle of the pipes, hissing of the old radiator. I don't want to explain myself. Just let me be without shaming, without adjectives, with no limits as to what you see I can be. I know me. I've spent my life in this body, this body that has transcended and faltered, that I've shared willingly and that was taken from me once. But I've built this house from plank and brick, crackled tile in sky blue, hand wrought iron filigreed. No floor in this house buckles, no weakness in these walls. Each chamber is framed in rosewood and purple heart. Each timber made stronger from the quaking. So where I live uh, now in California is in a condo that overlooks a lagoon with ducks and geese, and they've been making their way into my poetry. And the first one is called Offline. Went offline today by accident. Powered down my cell to reboot and was so fond of its silence, I forgot to turn it back on. For two hours, I sat outside and listen to the rush and splash of the fountain. Have you ever seen a gaggle of geese come in for a landing? I saw six swoop in, skid onto the lagoon, honking to announce their arrival. Duck sun blase, apparently used to this display. Crows hollered as they do, while my phone stayed quiet, absorbed all the human buzzings about the state of this world. This is called We Say. Below my sun deck, water ripples in the lagoon, duck sun on grassy banks. We say water and think wet. We say sun and understand warmth. But I knew someone whose father taught her apple for wagon and paper for shoe, laughing his demonic laugh when she started school. A cool wind blows and the willows shiver. Ducklings slip, it, <clears throat> excuse me, ducklings slip into the pond one after another and follow their mother to the other shore. How fragile we start out at the mercy of elders to guide us. We say mercy and we mean helpless. We say helpless and hope for goodwill. So this was fun to write. It's called, um, If We Played Two Truths and a Lie. And for anyone who doesn't know this game, you tell a group two true things about yourself and one false thing. And the group has to try to figure out which is the lie. If we played two truths and a lie. I might say that I can bake a mean souffle. I can tune a guitar by ear and that once, I was a drug runner when money was tired. You might tell me you can speak five languages. You can hotwire a boat. And you were a ballerina with the Joffrey in your 20s. 
if we don't know each other, we can be anybody to anybody. Well, I can certainly vouch for your multilingual abilities, and I have no doubt you can make wires spark just by touching them. So twirl for me, girl. Let's get down to the bottom of it. Okay, switching a little bit. Excuse me, I gotta take a sip and I gotta do it down here. So I was a first responder, child abuse investigator for many years. <clears throat> and in the middle of this next poem, I make reference to three cases that I worked. So if this, you think it'll bother you, just turn your volume down for a minute or so. It's called I Am Sky. I am the ocean, my therapist tells me, not just the wave. I am sculptor, not sculpture. I am sky, not cloud. When I sit outside and see generations of mallards, willows that will be here long after me, I think how fleeting we are, fragility tucked into every cell. I was born with nerves on the outside of my skin. I feel everything. My therapist says, sensitivity is my superpower. And I agree, feelings don't scare me. My intuition is heightened. It saved me as a kid and later on the job. I knew that a woman was being held against her will when she opened the door. I said I'd come back tomorrow and returned six minutes later with police. There was blood all over the walls, newborn, dirty in the crib. At a school call, I knew that a girl was being molested by the way she sat, vacancy in her eyes like a charred field. Turned out to be all the kids in the family. On a late night call out, I knew it was time to run for cover just before gunfire broke out in the rain, my partner losing her shoe. A six-year-old boy brought it over, walked through the chaos like it was nothing. I look outside from my writing desk. Rain washes yesterday off the rooftops. I like to think of it that way. We are all ocean and sculptor and sky. We are wave and sculpture and cloud, all of it. So in my announcement, I said I'd be reading all new work, but then I got two requests. So the first is delirious and the second is A to Z. Delirious. We lay delirious, limbs drunk and tangled, air thick with us. It was like that every time, but more. We opened our throats to the fire. We swallowed each other whole. We were those burning orange embers. For years, I stayed close to the heat, pushed myself hard up against it, like a junkie curled around a lit can, craving your flame to fill me. A to Z. 
When I learned my friend's husband was dying, I went to comfort her. But that was my need. She couldn't talk about it directly. So we talked about how the grass wouldn't grow in one spot of her yard, the real estate slump, how the mail was coming later and later now on our street. I looked at her, just looked at her. For somebody who usually knows what to say, I was barren. I said, we could go from A to Z and never find the right words. Then she began. A is for the absolute beauty of life. I was awed by her ability to still feel that way. I said, B is not for bearing things alone. She responded, C is for cancer, this fucker. And there we went all the way to Z where I chose zebra and then said that nothing, especially death, is black and white. There's a will, there's a way. This is my last poem. It's a new one called, How Bright These White Clouds. You wouldn't believe how bright and crisp these clouds are, day after thunder and deluge. I can't stop looking at them, how they move with such intention through the sky, blue sky. Not like those dull ones other days that just seem to sit there. These shine like a second chance. Bright white passes in front of faded gray, but from this angle, it looks as though they merge, then emerge as themselves again. It reminds me of biology class, permeable and semi-permeable membranes. What can get in but not out? What passes through? And that reminds me of my semi-permeable heart. The greenery is green again, drenched and sated. I hope the people in charge of saving rain saved the rain. Thank you. Thank you so much, Barb. Oh gosh, it's such a pleasure to hear you read your work. I really enjoy it. Thank and you. I'm so glad that you're here to share it with so many people. Thank you so much. Um, oh, what a lovely afternoon. I hope everybody's got a little wine or a cup of tea to just sit back and enjoy. I'm really May I say, I, I see comments in the chat and I'm not able to type back in the chat today, but I, I am seeing comments. Thank you. Thank you. So we are ready for our next poet, the lovely Janet Jennings. Her poetry and flash fiction have appeared in 32 poems, Baltimore Review, Nimrod, Shenandoah, Triquarterly, and Verse Daily, among others. She's the author of the chapbook Traces in Water. For 20 years, she owned and ran Sunspire, a natural foods company. Janet lives in San Anselmo, California with her husband and twin daughters, and you can find more of her work here at JanetJenningsPoet.com. So Janet, if you're ready, please step up to the mic and let's give Janet some poetry snap appreciation. Thank you. Thanks all of you for being here. Thank you, Sean, and thanks for putting this together and um, hosting and tending the Sunday poetry readings. 
And um, yay, Barb, twirl me girl. I love that poem. I'm so glad you read it. I was hoping you would. I really appreciate your honest and poignant and sexy poems. So thank you. And thanks to all of you for zooming in on a beautiful summer afternoon. I really appreciate all of you being here. Uh, it's a pleasure to be reading with my poetry posse. We got ourselves through COVID with our monthly meetings and it's a great group. Um, I've been out of school for decades now, but I still associate summer with a kind of schools out freedom and lightness and fun. So um, I'm hoping that the poets, the uh, poems I'll be reading today will carry some of that feeling. I grew up in a chocolate making family and it's left a deep imprint on my life. Uh, a couple of my siblings have tuned in today, so hopefully you'll remember something about this next poem, my, a chocolate poem. Uh, it starts with the image and scent of chocolate cosmos, which are in bloom right now. And I've actually got a vase. I'm not sure where to hold it for you to see. I only wish I could pass these around. They really do smell like chocolate. It's delicious. So I will start with chocolate in the garden. I keep a pot of chocolate cosmos tucked in the garden like a handwritten note. Velvety red-brown petals unfold in the July sun, giving off deep cocoa, the smell of baking brownies, and back I go to childhood and will met. Dad pulled up in a green Chevy station wagon, loaded to the roof with heavy burlap sacks of cocoa shell. The leavings after the beans were roasted, cracked and winnowed at the factory. He hauled the bags out one by one, stacking them into a fort on the front lawn. Walls eight thick bags high, open to the summer sky. Neighbor kids came running. Nobody had fences then. Skinny bodies climbed everywhere. Pungent chocolatey aromas released from rough burlap as we scrambled to the top. Days later, dad pulled down the fort, slid, slid open the bags and dragged brittle brown shell across the yard, mulching nitrogen into hedges and grass. All summer, the outside smell of chocolate. Um, this next poem is called Riding with Ken, with apologies to all the good guys out there named Ken, including, of course, the very fine poet Ken Haas, who you'll be hearing from later today. This poem is about those other Kens. Riding with Ken. Linda and I, fed up, made a plan. At a toy store in the mall, we bought all the Ken dolls on the shelf, talked our way into a discount for nine. Malibu Ken, soccer Ken, skier Ken, tux Ken, and motorcycle Ken in a range of yellow and brown painted on plastic hair. We recognized them all. When dusk came and the air cooled, we cut lengths of twine, tied one end to our bike back fenders, and the other to Ken necks. 
and rode out on single track dirt to Tennessee Valley Beach. Our stiff-limbed cans hit roots and rocks. They bumped, jumped, and clattered, a wake of stand-ins kicking up dust. We pedaled faster, flying toward the beach where we skidded to a stop for the fun of it, for the havoc. The moon slid up and we were covered in it, running toward the waves with our arms full. We stood at the edge of the continent, pulled them apart, heads, torsos, legs, and threw them into the surging tide. Giddy was something we had no name for. This next poem borrows from the myth of Icarus who flew too close to the sun. Catching air. He rose over the lip of the empty pool, arcing into the sky. Blonde boy on a skateboard, defying the laws that hold us here. Four urethane wheels on wood and the pool's concrete curve shot him outside time. Who could manage that taste of heaven and come back whole? He was too beautiful and the gods are cruel. Don't tell me about anything that came after. Thank you. Um, the wonderful poet Paisley Rechdahl wrote a series of sonnets about or in the voice of Mae West in her book, Imaginary Vessels. And her sound play is so good and so much fun, it made me want to try it. So this next poem is modeled after one of the sonnets in that series and takes as its last line and soundscape a quote from Diana Rigg from an interview later in her life. For those of you who don't know who she is, she, uh, Diana Rigg was a stage and screen actress who passed away in 2020 at the age of 81. She was acting well into the last years of her life. And um, early in her career, she played Emma Peel, which I remember vividly as a little girl, uh, witty proto-feminist in a leather cat suit in the 1960s TV series, The Avengers. Self-portrait as Diana Rigg one-liner after Paisley Rechdahl. No green bean girl, no limber cucumber. I'm ample angled, a gamble in bangles. Madrigal in a cramped cat suit made indelible. I'm fractal, flammable, a fabular handful of arpeggios. Cupid still visits me. I'm emblem and actual, sequined, chromatic. I dance a red fandango into embers. I'm a naughty old bag, a wild December. Keep your bowler on. I'm Jupiter's daughter, a triple moon dame in low-heeled sandals. Heft the Prosecco, light a candle. I've still got a scandal left in me. 
<laughs> I cannot tell you how much fun it is to channel Diana Rigg. <laughs> uh, I'm going to end with a persona, uh, a persona poem in the voice of Mary Wilcox, an early 19th century English woman who invented her own persona and must have had chutzpah to burn. Caribou. What they saw, muslin frill at my neck. What they wanted, a princess from the Indies, strange customs and signs, so willing, we all were, to travel outside the tedium of towns, a meager countryside, too tight, too small. I was not small. Wits kept me from the workhouse. Let me recount. My father tried to beat the wildness out. I grew restless and ran. I've been a cobbler's daughter, servant girl, pauper, Magdalene, a seer reading futures. I've begged Spanish and when the jig was up, begged French. Donay, Donay. I was hungry, held out my beggar's cup for everything the world dropped. My memory is good. On a strange day, I arrived road weary in Almondsbury, not far from Bristol. I'd been living rough. A mood took me. I signed distress to some villagers, a wish to sleep in a clean bed. Nonsense fluencies rolled off my tongue. I cupped my palms to the sun and bowed. Havasu, I repeated, Havasu. Magpie maker, I made language, inventing as I went along. A bit, bits of a cook's Hebrew prayer, a lace maker's French, some gypsy words. The magistrate and his wife were sent for mistook me for a princess. My father tried to beat the wildness out. The magistrate sought out travelers, the foreign born, prince geographies attempting to decipher me. Schooled in their need, I was a kind of reader and brightened at Chinese symbols, a pineapple, palmed islands. Distinguished visitors made notes. I was bravura, I was bold. I swam naked in the magistrate's pond, sewed a dress with sleeves that touched the ground, prayed to Alatala from the treetops. Caribou, I said, pointing to myself. A painted portrait in my turban, printed in the news, brought down my monarchy. Recognized from other stops in other towns, I was pronounced imposter, lost my kingdom, fled to tour America. I heard musics in my youth, visions came to me. I begged but never stole, I wanted more. What I was, what I wanted, language could not hold. Thank you.
Janet, that was fabulous. I'm jumping back in to introduce Sean. Surprise. <laughs> Sean Killingsworth poems have been published in the Rise Up Review, Wa-Fenayon Press, Type House Literary Journal, Stone Coast Review, Glass, a journal of poetry, Poets Resist, and other journals and anthologies, including When There Are Nine, a Ruth Bader Ginsburg tribute anthology. She holds an MFA in poetry from the New School and is the host curator of the Second Sunday Reading series. Find her online at secondsundayreadings.com and on Facebook. Thank you so much, Barb. I appreciate you introducing me, especially since this is your series originally. Yeah. So it's an honor to have been able to take it over and continue it. Um, and I'm really excited to get to read. Normally, I don't get to. So this is super fun for me. And I appreciate everyone indulging me today. Um, the poems I'm going to read are from my chapbook, uh, which is currently looking for a home. It's called Californiana. Um, as you might imagine, many of the poems are about California and about the environment here. Um, and of course, about my experiences having moved here. The first poem is called In California. Calla lilies just grow right out of the dirt. Viridian hummingbirds astonish. This heart so tiny and fragile, one drop of vinegar could dissolve it. I wake in springtime, twigs tap glass to draw me out, feathers reckless, sun-drunk warblers loop the loops. I didn't think a balm could break me open again. Heat spangles gold hills, songs hurtling through morning like victory banners. This next poem is called Isobar, um, which is one of those, oh gosh, and I lost my definition, but it's basically a, a measurement of two different points of weather. She's map making, measuring distances, ink stained and coffee sick. Their route, a web of errors and serendipity potholed with grace and worry, uprooting and rerouting, JFK, LOG, PDX, OAK, flights fueled by fear, dragging hope against the lift, the air against them hot and wet, a storm of searching for the American dream. His internal barometer as wild as her geography, pressure rising or dropping with each, un with each filed memory, each unforeseen detour, the sun heralded by a grin. He smooths wrinkles out of packing paper just unwound from stems of lamps, uncrumpled from inside bowls and cups. She grips in dry hands the pages that legitimize a life. Certifications of birth and death, illness, debt, and he sighs, a hurricane, a song. The papers crinkle, a sparrow thuds glass, a pane of brittle wings. Hopping, hopping, the woman runs to the window. Birds hear their brother fall, dissolve from the nest in a fluster of alarm. They are guided by charts of their own design. No gods look upon them with pity, no shaman leads them. They make a life by compass, by desire. A woman and a man afloat in this green hush, ex-Boston, ex-Brooklyn, now every day, a cool raid bay sunset. Gold hills shine for anyone. Countless leaves, 
Live oak, manzanita, poppy, they plant their feet. This next poem uh, is called Mount Tamalpais, which some of you probably can see from where you live. I think a lot of the people here uh, in today's reading are actually um, Marin or at least Bay Area natives. Sky clean after rain, unfurling sun enlivens puddles teeming with minute life. Yellow hills hint at green, Pacific salt spicing the wind. Flowers leaning into one another's scented breath a kiss, a flutter, a pair of rare monarchs. Lazuli buntings fill the country with sweet chirrups and eat every mustard seed. Furrows in the earth like legs twined shown how to dream by the sleeping lady. If she wakes, what will she see? Bay laurel and manzanita clothe her, rattlesnake and bobcat lurk in her hips, and at her low, long feet, towns and buildings clamber to her ankles. Hammers ringing, coffee steaming, cars and cyclists beeping, cursing as bees and salmon and lakes dwindle to memories. Thank you. Um, this next one is a prose poem. I've been getting really into prose poetry lately. So um, whenever this gets published, you'll recognize it by its block appearance called Red Flag Warning. The scent of eucalyptus blooms in heat. Long leaves like fingers point down to cyclists grinding away beneath them. Cobalt waters ripple like frosting across the bay. You'd never know about the deadly undercurrents from the beauty on the surface. A hill furred with dry yellow grasses caught fire yesterday. To live here, you must get comfortable with risk. The reservoir is too low. So many creatures will die this summer. Cedar waxwings, red-winged blackbirds, morning doves, mockingbirds, ravens, red-tailed hawks, herons, blue and white guard the houses and skies. Any bird is an omen if you know how to read it. Thank you. Um, this next poem actually just got picked up by the Rise Up Review, which is um, edited by Sonia Greenfield and Kai Coggin. Uh, Sonia will be actually reading for Second Sunday in a couple of months, and Kai read for us, I think, last year, so it was sort of a really nice little homecoming feeling. Uh, this is called Great Pacific Gyre. Um, it's another prose poem that deals with the environment. And my, uh, my um, reading group, uh, the, <laughs> the Poetry Posse has definitely heard this one before, so if you don't like it, you can complain to Janet and Ken and Barb. I've been taken in hand. My mouth hangs as though I'm dead, but it's only architecture. Dry lips, dry throat, no speech and hold tight, cradled in plastic and yet more plastic. Is this how corpses feel wrapped in their crinkly shrouds? Who accounts for every human birth? Not the doves, they just preen on the roof. Not the road workers who sweat through rubberized vests and guide traffic around them in soft ellipses. Send a note to the mothers, they ought to get involved. The deliveries pile up and we make plans, go to the dump. We want a lot more than this. We want resourcefulness to cost less. The best predictor of success is past success. Pull it out of the mists. 
Delivery truck taillights blaze as daylight disperses. Darkness makes us all blinking foolish newborns. I'm wrapped in a cloak sticky with sweat. I survive because of movement. Every turn is surprising and not. Feeling of safety and not. It's a ride, this mix of safe and unsafe, like big swings at the carnival that lift you to the skies until you feel so queasy you stumble to the concession, get a big lemonade, and the summer heat swirls around you with dust, hay, smell of horse shit, screams from the zipper, wrappers fluttering around you like multicolored flowers. We are born into this and will die from it. We are hollow chocolates wrapped in cellophane, all pinned to some god's polyester shirt. Um, I think just two more, I think I have time for. Um, this one is called Lemons and it, um, it was written actually when I first moved here. Um, and just as a little bit of background there, my father-in-law actually owned the house that I live in now before we got it. And he planted a lemon tree really close to the house. So anytime it's windy, the lemon branches bang against the siding and against the windows and it's very noisy. And for the, I think for the first two years, I wasn't really sure where the noises were coming from. So every time there was a storm, I thought somebody was trying to break into the house and it freaked me out every single time. I finally realized, oh, it's just the tree. <laughs> this is called Lemons. I'm dreaming at the chrome faucet, the porcelain sink still wet, dishwasher humming, American kitchen framed by a thin paned window open to the wind, lost in my own reflection, California night sounds all around the empty room full of appliances. My lemon tree batters the house in the wind, branches striking siding, scratching glass, stopping when I try to listen, like a thief breaking in. Who's there? I'll bite. That thick rind, oily, barely pliant, only yearling to sharpest incisors. Nobody answers. Bitter, so bitter. I grind the seeds between my teeth. And uh, thank you. So the last poem I'm gonna read is called Provisional World. Um, and this is another, another block poem. Uh, and it's got a little bit of that kind of arch attitude that seemed to like. So. Provisional world. This rising in the morning, lining up to be tossed from one fiery lion's paw to another before I've even realized I am game. This time that gets me leaping from one island to the next train, seasons jerking away from one another with bouts of rain. This breathing the ghost of new chalk white apartment with scuffed floors and yawning nail holes in every wall. But the seeking, you ask, what about that? Well, shit, you're the Buddhist. Maybe we're no more than animals hunting for the biggest banana, switching time zones to get those golden rays. That flurry of being is tiny when seen from above and we barely agents of anything. Let's talk about perspective. Me on my New York fire escape, Imagining you on your couch in light-dashed California, imagining me. Words sew hours together. Stitch me into next month, please. Give me a fly's eye view, multiply encapsulated. A thousand suns revolving around a thousand sparkling, perfect 
earths. Thank you. Oh, and I just realized I still have to talk because I need to introduce Ken, <laughs> our next reader. Thank you all very much. I am super excited to introduce Ken Haas to you all. I'm sure many of you have already read plenty of his work. Ken lives in San Francisco, where he works in healthcare and sponsors a poetry writing program at the UCSF Children's Hospital. Ken's poems have appeared in over 50 journals and numerous anthologies. His first full poetry collection, Borrowed Light, was praised by Joe Millar and Ellen Bass and won the 2020 Red Mountain Press Discovery Award. It won a 2021 prize from the National Federation of Press Women and was shortlisted for the 2021 Rubery Book Award. Ken has been nominated for a Pushcart Prize, has won the Betsy Colquitt Poetry Award, and has participated several times in the community of writers on whose board of directors he currently serves. You can visit him online at Ken Haas, which is H-A-A-S dot org. And um, everybody, just as a quick reminder to feel free to check the chat. Um, our co-host and video bouncer, uh, Glenn Sauber, is posting everyone's bio in the chat so you can get all this information right there. So that is enough for me. Ken, if you'd like to step up to the mic, you are on. Okay. Well, uh, thank you, Sean and Barb and Janet. Uh, it is just so wonderful to be doing this with such uh, splendid poets and friends. Uh, and also, as I see, to be uh, reading for many other amazing poets and friends who've decided to spend their Sunday afternoon doing this, which uh, is greatly appreciated. Um, I'm gonna read four poems. Uh, this first piece, piece, which was recently accepted for publication by Burning Word, is about my former partner who passed away two years ago now. It's called The Gristle of Love. Months after I had cleared her clothes from our apartment, and delivered them to a homeless shelter as was her wish. I drove to our cabin in the mountains to gather her last shirts and sweaters, socks and tights, sneakers and slippers. I was weary of all the searching, finding, sorting, folding, weary even of the touching. I could not stomach one more trip for charity. Death, you see, had made me a coward. I just jammed everything in three 30-gallon black plastic bags, which I tied off tightly, left for next morning pickup at the end of the driveway, flanked by six-foot banks of ice-skinned snow. An hour's nap later, I saw through the window that crows had come, torn open the bags, dragged their contents all over confused perhaps by wisps of sweat and perfume, thinking who in his right mind would put anything but chicken bones and pizza crust in such beguiling sacks. One had her lace panties in its beak, shaking it like a battle flag. Another was chewing the sleeve of her pineapple t-shirt. A third was back at the bags, manically scrounging for more. I walked out calmly with a shovel. The birds flew away. I had visions of leaving it all for a next storm to bury, recollecting the debris after spring thaw 
and burning it into a biblical pillar of smoke, soaking the ashes in the stream out back. Instead, I climbed the crusted banks, roamed the neighbor's yards and snowbound streets, picked up the pieces, placed and cinched them in new bags, left them as before. The birds came again and again, again and again I gathered, each time working more slowly, each time the pieces smaller, until the sun was gone and I stood by the last bags I owned, slightly less full. I stood there all night, the crows laughing and I laughing back, their amber eyes flashing in the new moon dark, neither stupid nor cruel, though I had thought them both. At first light, men with boots and gloves came in a green truck. One said good morning, another took the bags away. Uh, this next poem is a long lined sonnet uh, inspired by my new sweetheart who lives on the central coast of California. It's called the Cypress. Yet another crazed storm system threatens the highway system. My love worries the native conifer whose root system has already wrecked her patio will fling its brooding skeletal system through her salt-worn roof, smash her sound system. Though she's certain the fierce lemon of its crushed leaves tones her immune system. The arborist has offered a permit to bring its hulking spirit down, but she feels deeply part of the ecosystem prefers sleepless nights spent questioning the solar system through dense evergreen sprays. Her belief system dreads an empty yard, dreams a reproductive system of quilted cones and gritty seeds evolved in an ice age. She is an open system and I am a closed one. So again, I listen hard to the war between her value system and her nervous system because my operating system insists that I come to understand what exactly in this system of systems she needs more than me. Uh, this third piece, um, a prose poem, which was recently accepted for publication by the DMQ Review, uh, deals with a symbol that is simultaneously revered by one group of cultures and reviled by another group of cultures, uh, including my own. It's called swastika. She is splendid in her sea green sari, sees me staring down the silver hooked cross with Sanskrit symbol for Om embossed on its heart, hanging above her dining room break front between an incense tray and a dancing Shiva figurine. She says she knows that for my people, it is a mark of hatred and murder, but to her people, it brings well-being and peace. Appeared on cave walls in the Bronze Age, meant healing to the Navajo, adorned Coke cans and Boy Scout medals before 
being co-opted more recently by monsters. Why should she feel shame? It reminds her of making offerings in the temple with her grandma, reminds me of the temple down the lane from my grandma torched to ashes under its wave. I do not ask if she has been to Auschwitz or placed the stone on a spray painted grave. She has cooked me tikka masala in her home. She does not ask if I have seen Varanasi or bathed in the Ganges ringed by jasmine and primrose. I do ask, what if everything hurtful even to a stranger could be relinquished no matter how cherished? And she asks, what if everything could be redeemed? We are the same head with converse faces, like a Janus word, like weather or cleave. And yet when she speaks its name, the sound is of silk, not of blade. I may be too soft for this world and too hard for the next, or perhaps the opposite. When we are long gone, the mark will be saved, she says, by its sacred past and scarcely remembered for evil. She is splendid in her sea green sari. Um, uh, this last poem then reads a little, a little lighter. Um, thank God. <laughs> um, it's from my book, Borrowed Light, which looks something like this. Yep. Um, and it's also in a nice anthology of uh, San Francisco poems from Blue Light, Blue Light Press called uh, Fog and Light. Uh, it's called The Catch. Night game at candlestick toward the end of its days. June Rockwell, season ticket holder of the so-so giants has lured me out to see the wretched cubs. First date. When I pick her up, she asks if I've brought my glove and I tell her I'm from the Bronx where we do everything with our bare hands. Thin crowd, uneventful innings until two out in the seventh when Chicago's lumbering, chaw-spitting right fielder nicks a rising heater that sails backward several sections from our box seats into a circular gale like the twister in Wizard of Oz. The ball at its apex, still no real concern 20 rows away. And yet in its final moments, the object of common regard begins to beam intently, inevitably for my patron's unarmed lap. I, Bud Light in one hand, fully adorned bratwurst in the other, no kidding, I refuse to panic. So the hot dog becomes at last the missing glove, explodes like a grenade as the seamed orb makes exceptional contact. When after a decent interval, I look up, June standing now, a Jackson Pollock of ballpark cuisine, tinsels of pork rind and sauerkraut in her startled hair, glitter of mustard and relish from brow to chin says not a word, does not go to wash up, just lowers her quivering body 
the wind dies, the home team fails, we do not speak on the drive back. Ah, what might have been, but not for me. I'm romantic in that other way, this way. For this night, no if only will ever rival what happened. Watch as we reach June's flat. She turns caked still with the spectacle I have made of gallantry and kisses me softly, briefly, decisively. Watch the fog rise to claim her for the perfect past. Thank you. I hope you like them. Um, have a great rest of the evening. Sean, I think back to you maybe or? Yeah, thank you so much, Ken. I love that poem. It just cracks me up every time I hear it. So much fun. <laughs> so thanks to all of you, Janet and Barb and Ken, and thanks to everyone who came to listen today. I think we've had, oh God, just an awesome day. I really feel so lucky to be able to do this every single month. And so I just want to remind you that you are all invited every single month. Uh, it may not be the same poets, but it's always the same happy, like loving vibe. And it's always an hour of, of really wonderful literature and listening. So I hope to see you all next time. Uh, it is the second Sunday of August, which uh, the date is escaping me now, but I think it's the 11th. So um, there will be there will be flyers, there will be emails. So keep your eyes peeled <laughs> and have a wonderful rest of your evening. So thanks to everybody and we will see you next time. <laughs>